welcome back to Journalist Talk. Today here with me I have Jennifer Castle. She is the owner and creator of Jen Castle Media. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. And today I'm gonna hear a little bit from you, a brief biography about yourself. It's something that I do with every every guest to my listeners to get to know you a little bit better. No problem. I um I wear a couple of hats. <laughs> um, I graduated from UCLA with a BA. Um, went after photography. I've been doing photography for about twenty years now. Um, at one point, decided I wanted to change that a little bit, um, go more into the journalism aspect of things. So I came to CSUN, uh, was here for two years, uh, created my thesis and research from that, graduated with my MA in 2021 and during the pandemic. And, uh, and here I am. I, um, I also write content for UN Women USA LA. And I work with um, the Gen Castle media side of things is I work with businesses, individuals to craft their content, their media, their visual media that they're going to use um, for social media, marketing, PR, things like that. And I teach. I teach at Moorpark College now. Yeah, I was checking your website and there's definitely a lot of hats there's for us to hats. talk to. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell enjoy. me a little more uh, about your teaching job, because uh, that's something that I also want to do maybe like in the future. It's not like my oh, focus, yeah. but, you know, I feel like it, it, it's good to be in this academic road. I really like it. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so let me just start there. Uh, it's funny because I said the same thing. I graduated in 2021, so it was always in the back of my mind that I will teach in the future for sure. I said it just as you did. Um, I'm very much interested in that, but I'm, I'm going to charge forward in a couple other avenues first before I go into teaching. Um, and teaching found me immediately, and I got to this point. Well, the pandemic helped me get to this point. I got to this point in my life where I thought, Okay, I'm just going to any open door that comes my way. I'm going to try it on for size and see how it goes. I'm not going to say no to anything right now because everything's so up in the air and strange. Um, and teaching came my way immediately. I was referred by uh, another professor, and I leaned into it. And um, I'm getting more classes uh, this summer and for next semester as well. So it seems to be, I seem to be going in that direction sooner and stronger than I thought I would, but I really enjoy it. I love it. I love my students. Um, and I have a very hands-on approach that I missed when I went to school. I wanted more of when I went to school, uh, especially for creative um, mediums, things like that. Yeah, especially since you did most of your master's online. Yeah, well, that, that's a funny story, too, because I originally was going to go with the photography and videography for my project, uh, and then the pandemic happened, and I had to sort of recraft and go back to the drawing board and figure that out, and it, um, it ended up being a podcast. Uh, I didn't take any classes on podcasting, so that made it a bit challenging, um, but I love the medium so much. I, I just leapt into it and kind of taught myself. And a lot of the skills from videography, I feel, come into play, especially with the audio. I mean, audio is key for video, right? So it's key when you're doing a podcast, obviously, as well. So um, I had those skills to rely on as well yeah. from CSUN. 
Yeah, that's that's really amazing. But before we go into that, yeah. that's what I'm what I want to talk to you because it's a very nice project. Oh, Literally, two professors <laughs> were talking about you. That's how I met you. But you. in your teaching job, what what classes do you teach your students, and how hands on do you make them? So primarily, I teach um, social media PR and then digital media storytelling. Uh, my first class there that I was assigned was digital media storytelling. And I started off very hands-on there because I, I basically pushed the students to find their own beat. Um, you know, it's broad. I want them to find kind of their chapter that they want to, kind of like you would with a thesis. And then um, from there, they craft their own story within that. Um, and they go through, through the entire semester, they go through their own projects. So they start off writing an opinion piece, then they go into photography, uh, they then create a podcast, which can also be filmed, uh, so then that leans into their video project, which is their final project. So it's very hands-on, they're constantly working, they're constantly creating, um, and they're creating a portfolio that they can use for the professional world. So that's that's why I feel it's really important to be hands-on. If if they are creating it themselves and researching it themselves and I'm there to guide them, then they have something that they can use for the future when they do end up going into the business world and trying to figure out what being a journalist is in the real world, which is a lot of networking, number one, and then having that portfolio. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Something that I do since day one that I moved here to the U.S., is try to do network with everyone mm -hmm. that I know that I met in a class that went as a guest speaker in some club and everything because I see that in here at least uh, if you have networking with like tons of people you're gonna find a direction you're gonna find a job you're gonna find someone to support um, yep. something temporary and I think that that's like that's beautiful because uh, where I come from, it's not like that. It's like I got the job, you you didn't, boohoo for you. <laughs> and I and here I feel like so much more like a family. Yeah. And that maybe that's where like your teaching comes in, like mentor uh, young minds, young kids that are going to like be working in the in the field also soon. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and I embrace that full full on when I was here I the the teachers that I met up with the professors that helped me they were also hands-on and so I mean you have to be with a thesis right um, and so the encouragement and the dedication I that's that would be my strongest advice to anybody who's going to school for for well for anything really but especially for journalism is just lean into the knowledge that your professors can give you and the network they're there to help you. They're there to embrace your future work. It only looks kindly on them as well. So that would be a huge key, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and your master's, that's a very huge topic that I want to talk. Okay. I, I really like it. That's what I'm focusing on a little more in this episode because you did it all during the pandemic. And we know that like journalists work in the pandemic, we did like the impossible become like something so easy nowadays yeah it's funny yeah and can you tell me a little more how did you get into the topic uh how did you plan it like g 
give us a in-depth <laughs> sure lit review on well, your project. <laughs> page one um no I, uh, thesis i mean it's a journey we all know it's a journey um it started off actually with latin america and researching femicide there and the gender-based violence that was going on there and primarily well, i was focused on guatemala primarily and then um the femicide that was directly connected to their civil war and then as i started working that out and your professors are always telling you be more specific be more specific i mean that's the number one note um, I had to keep breaking it down, and as I did, I realized it was going to be impossible to cover this being so far away um, and not speaking Spanish. So I, and then in the research, I realized we have a similar situation here in America, uh, and we just we're not talking about it as much. It's very much silence. So then I started asking myself, why why am I not covering? where I live. <laughs> so then I really um, but put my all into that. And, and then over the course of time, it got more and more specific. And then the pandemic happened. <laughs> oh, the pandemic. <laughs> I remember one professor in particular who was on my committee, and she said, you need to be more specific. The pandemic happened. And I said, is this more specific? Uh, we're dealing with gender-based violence now and domestic violence and femicide during a time of during times of crises and now a pandemic so then I really put which it was challenging because there's only so much research you can do in the now and the data hasn't come in yet and especially when um, you know a society is so silenced about the about the the epidemic in the first place it's really hard to even later pull all of the correct data. So it's it's a process. It's something that, which is why I wrapped the theory, the theory that I wrapped around it was communications infrastructure, which is building community, building up resources, and managing crisis before the crisis occurs. Um, so it's better managed, you know, it's more communicative, and um, it motivates civic action. So that was the whole, those are the details. <laughs> yeah, and how did you find your interviewees? If I'm not mistaken, it was four women, right? It was three women and one man, yeah. This is, this is another um, tip I'd give to anybody out there in that I know when we're in classes and we're doing this research, we get a little buried and we start second-guessing ourselves. Uh, I found, I, I made one phone call. Well, I, I first sent her an email, um, and that was to Eve Sheedy. And that was for um, uh, the Department of Public Health. She immediately responded and was so gracious and, and kind and willing to give me any information I needed because this is a cause that she passionately works on. She, wor she works in, the in um, domestic violence because it was declared a public health, um, uh, public health problem. I think I can't remember the year. I think it was 2018. Ooh, don't quote me on that. You can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> She's not being quoted. It's just like for a feeling of the time. <laughs> um, I can't remember the year, but um, it was um, for Los Angeles. Um, that was a public health issue. So she immediately responded and she was very generous with information and um, and and she 
often said to me, you know, it's through you, it's the younger generation and it's through you that we can now have our voice and have our work continue. So my, my, my point is, my tip would be don't shy away from reaching out. Um, you wouldn't believe how, if, if you're passionate about it and you've chosen a, a beat or an, an area to go into and to research further, um, that passion reads to other people and they want to collaborate. They want to, because they can't do it themselves. So they want to speak to you. They just, you just need to reach out. Yeah. Yeah. And this, of course, feels a very gender-centered uh, project. Where did the, the man that you interviewed come in in this situation? Mark came in uh, because I, I went to Eve, actually, and I said, can you, can you provide any other sources that I could go to? And specifically, are there any male voices that are doing this work? Because I wanted it to be a balanced project. I started out, I was only going to interview two people and then it just, and this is what I mean. So it started with Eve and I started speaking to her and then it was just a domino effect. And I was able to, through Eve to find two other sources. And then through that person, I was able to find two other sources. Uh, and then, so I had three individuals, they were all women. I went back to Eve and I said, I would really like a male voice. Um, do you know anyone that's doing work on this? And she said, yeah, I actually know a few people. She gave me a couple names. One of them in particular, Mark, was um, he was doing, he's, he's pushing for policy. Um, he's pushing for policy. He works with um, males who are incarcerated, going through the jail system. That There's a whole, I mean, he's working on that. And domestic violence, gender-based violence is all a part of it. Um, and he's trying to find policy that will allow more mental health um, for people to work with uh, others to rehabilitate them rather than just throw them behind bars, that sort of thing. So I felt like he was a really strong voice to have in the project. And, um, and again, I reached out to him and he immediately responded. So. Yeah. I feel like it's important to give like this dual side of yeah. this story because there is so much people backing up women in this situation saying trying to make men or whoever the aggressor is uh, search for help and search to a inside understanding of why they did what they did is wrong etc so i think that that it brings a lot of balance to your project Thank and you. maybe that's you know, that's why I made it so good because it would be so easy to just go to women and talk bad about like literally every single man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and that's what that's why I chose communications infrastructure for the theory to kind of bind it because it's not it's community resources and it's community community communications right and that's not just one sided that's just not one gender there is a problem. And it starts with trauma, and it starts with mental health, and it's, I mean, it starts in a, in a lot of places, and it continues to circulate, but it needs to be addressed from all angles in order to figure out how are we going to manage this problem, and how are we going to not, I don't, I don't know that it'll ever be solved, but how are we going to move forward and make it better?
I think that's what a journalist gotta do, right? Show everything, go after every fact, and lay down to everyone to even understand and learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that as well. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's approved. <laughs> and uh, right now, I would like to talk about Gen Castle Media as well, because you say they get small businesses and you help them find their identity and etc. It's um, your masters, the the website building that you did, getting the interviews, going after that one question, that one person. Does that help with the Jen Castle Media work? I definitely, I do think that um, marketing today is taking on a more journalistic style in that way that you just described. Um, it's important. Well, authenticity is key now. And in all PR reports and trends, we're seeing that that is continuing. People, mm-hmm. well, yay, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> good. Um, that people want authentic, authentic voices. They want trust. And that's across the board with companies, with, you know, politicians. I don't know that we'll ever get there fully with politicians. Um but that's that seems to be the the drive and the need. So yes, when I'm working with these companies or individuals on their own PR or their marketing and creating their content, it starts with storytelling. It starts with who are you? Let's answer all of the questions. Um, what is the meaning behind what you're representing? What your brand is? What your what what's your story? What's your beat? Um, and how can we best represent that and allow your audience to engage with that because it's all about engagement at the end of the day Um, and you want to do that as authentically as possible and which one would you tell me that was the hardest project that you've ever worked uh in gen castle media like across the board with Ooh, that's a good question i don't think any of them were challenging per se um But definitely those clients, I would say that the ones that are most challenging are the ones that haven't done that work in meaning and who they are. And and that's usually why they they come across my table, my media table, is because they're still sussing it out. So I would say those, I'm going to be vague about it a little bit, a little broad. Um, I don't want to call anyone out, but I would say the clients that come across that really have... N- haven't done any anything on story, who they are, why they're doing what they're doing, um, who are sort of still confused about who their audience is. Um, those become more challenging, and they have a little bit of homework to do before we actually start doing the creative projects for them. Yeah, yeah. I, feel, I, I feel like I understand those clients because <laughs> I love storytelling. I have a podcast educated to people to tell their stories, and I think that that's beautiful. But when it comes to me to put on my LinkedIn, put 50 words describing yourself, and I'm like, okay, how can I describe myself? Mm-hmm. And I feel like from an inside point of view, it's it's so subjective. Like, it's more than it should be. And that causes people to second-guess themselves, maybe. And what would be, like, kind of your advice to people that second-guesses, like, creating a website, uh, even if it's not like professional, just like a portfolio one or like their LinkedIn, how do people 
maybe journalists too find their own selves to put it in the media. Yeah, now we're talking to my class. <laughs> this is exactly what I review in the class. Um, well, my PR and social media class for sure. Uh, it's easier than you think. It's so much easier than you think. And I feel like a lot of the time we get in our own way. And you just, I, my, my biggest tip would be just start slow and just put one foot in front of the other. Um, my tech tip would be just start with a website. Start with a free website. There's so many templates and things out there. And then just stare. You don't have to purchase a URL or anything like that. Just start with a free basic template and stare at it for a minute. And then, you know, maybe just do some, um, what do they call that? When, unconscious writing when you just mm -hmm. write for you know, a, a half hour and just see what comes out. Just explore and, and, and mainly make it about what am I going after? What do I want? No one's going to see it. You can do it in a notebook if you want to do it the old fashioned way. And then, um, so just start slow and then start filling in the gaps. And uh, it starts with a website. Your nucleus is your website, right? And then from there, all the marketing comes into that, and that's how you can broadcast your story. Mm -hmm. Or your beat. If you're a journalist, you start with what's your beat, and then you put that on your website. You put that on – you could even start with something like LinkedIn, you know? And there's ways you can manipulate LinkedIn so that you have all of your portfolios, all of your, I know you, you go to LinkedIn a lot, right? Yes, to, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> to um, investigate and see the backstory on individuals. But it, it's, that's exactly right. A lot of people do. So it's, it's a great way to post your portfolios, your experience, um, reviews with people you've worked with. Uh, that's a great place to start, and it's simple and it's easy. Um, and then you can go from there and then do a website, link it to your LinkedIn, that sort of thing. But start slow. In case no listeners took notes, I'm going to be listening <laughs> to this episode and taking so many notes because I have a Substack, but I don't know oh. how to work that on my favor since it's very like, it's very direct in uh -huh. whatever, whatever you're showing. If you go to the person's dashboard, you have like every post of the person mm -hmm. right there. So, yeah, I'm going to take notes, get my old-fashioned notebook, because if you can see, I'm a very notebook person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me too. Everything I mean, is they like, say it's good for the mind to write it down, so. Yeah. If it's not written for me, it's never, like, on my agenda or whatever. I, yeah. I need to have, like, written down everything. I'm similar. I have both. Um, yeah. Let me ask you though, have you, are you, do you have a subscription to your Substack? Have you decided to monetize it yet, or are you going to? I don't know how to do that. Hey, you if, should look into that because Substack's yeah. really good for that. Okay, so yeah, yeah I didn't know if Substack <laughs> was really good or not because it also started with one um, one class with a lot of tiny little projects. And I was like, hmm, this is already like halfway there with like a website portfolio, so why not? And then I you. kept posting everything in there, but yeah. But I have one specifically for this, this podcast, as everybody knows, because... Mm -hmm. I always say in the end of the episode. That's good. <laughs> yeah. And your photography. Let's just like go towards the end of our conversation. Next but <laughs> we we gotta talk about photography too because it's it's so nice to have people with like a lot of hats to talk in a conversation, uh, uh -huh. like yourself. So photography, wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> have you, did, were you were you able to see some of the yeah. photography? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I I've been doing it for years. I love it. I love I've always loved um, telling people's stories. I've always loved shooting portraits. And I I did events in the beginning as well. Um, and I but I always went after the events and more of a, with a journalistic eye. That's so cliche now. You see it on everyone's <laughs> photo portfolio, but um, but I did. And I started when it was still film. I just aged myself, but uh, and I started in the dark room. But uh, I've always loved it. I've always embraced it. And and through all my travels um, out of college, I went. I lived in London for a year, and I traveled. And I, my camera was right there by my side. And that's kind of when I fell in love with that medium. So I always thought that was going to be it for for the rest. But pushed more when I came to see Sun that. I, part of that decision was I want to learn other mediums. I want to embrace other mediums because everything had gone so digital. Everything was online and um, I wanted to advance my skills in that way. So Yeah, unfortunately sometimes I feel like photographies and photographers more going to like photojournalists, it's kind of taken for granted if you're not even in the uh, in the field, if you're not a journalist too because sometimes people don't get um, a photography through this journalistic eye, so mm -hmm. I feel sad sometimes because every everything is like let me take a selfie here and there, and that's just what it is now. Yeah, we are losing it a little bit, and but we we are and we aren't. I I find my students anyway are very hungry and ready to learn the skills, which I'm thankful for. They're they're still out there. Um, and we, I think we still can all go into a gallery or look at a photo, especially in journalism. I mean, we don't get newspapers anymore, but when we go on and we see certain, I mean, who, what, I don't remember his name. You should interview him. Carlos? I can't remember his full name, but he won a Pulitzer. He came to CSUN already to talk. Yeah, I think... His work's amazing. I think it was Blumenkrantz that was going to get, like... Yes, um, he got two of them yeah. from CSUN to come back and speak. Yes. And uh, I I couldn't make that, unfortunately. I think I had COVID at the time because oh I was talking to Blumenkrantz. Yeah, oh, good, good times. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but they're amazing. their work is amazing. So it still exists, and I think we appreciate it that much more when we do see it uh, and it's it's interesting that the competition is fierce for photography but yes it's not in that it's not in the way that we used to know the medium it's it's much quicker <laughs> yeah. it's much more immediate uh, but but there are individuals out there who still want to grab onto the skills so yeah I'm grateful for that I feel like I'm 50 50 on that matter because for a long while, I was doubting myself so hard in photography, mm -hmm. and then I had to take Blumenkrantz class so I could graduate, uh -huh. but I didn't want to take it like, for nothing, this road. Even in the first week, I was like, I'm not that much of a photographer, Like I'm not going to like this class, but I'm going to be here because you're a nice person. And then by the end of the, the classes, I was in love with photography again, wanting to take portraits of every single person that I knew, and like... 
just takes one good professor. It just takes one good professor and like an assignment <laughs> to make with 20 different people. Mm-hmm. And there you go. And now you have that skill in your belt. That you can have the the assortment of hats as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's something that I want to take a little forward, but I never know how to bring like much to journalism because I'm the person that like if I see a tree that I think that it's pretty, I'm going to make that tree like my my portrait subject, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, it's something that I'm still practicing and I look at your photos. I was like, damn, she's good. <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank yeah. you. Well, um, any advice that you would want to give to people who don't know uh, what they want to do, if they want to do photography, website, podcasting and teaching and being a journalist and everything, because I feel like those tiny little advices at the end of my episodes it helps so much people, mm-hmm. so I would like to hear from you. Yeah, that's a tough one. I would say, um, you know, it's okay to dabble. <laughs> no, seriously, embrace the dabbling. Um, look, I can't. Again, I came into CSUN and I wanted to increase the skills in all mediums because I very much liked the look of an MMJ. I, you know, there. And I feel like journalism is going more in that direction. You need to know how to wear all the hats. You also have to have the network with all the people. You know, There's so many different facets of journalism now that you have to take on. And at the same time, it's suffering. So it's like you have to, you really have to embrace all of the skills. And why not, why not try it on for size? Why, why not? And this is why it was my motto towards the end of the pandemic, I was just like, open door, I'm going to try it on and see what happens. You never know. Um, so I, I would say embrace it all. And look, I didn't embrace it all per se, because I didn't take a podcast class. I didn't have time. It, it, it didn't fit into my schedule at CSUN, but I still learned the skills. Like alongside the thesis and the classes, I was online and I was talking to my network and I was figuring it out because I wanted that skill, because I had a last-minute decision of changing from videography to podcasting for my thesis. So you can do it. You just got it. You re- you have to work hard. There you go. You, you guys to- listen from her, so that's <laughs> work hard. <laughs> I don't know if that's news. <laughs> well, if or it's tip. not, it's always learning, and it's always good to hear again from various different people and you can you can do more than you ever think you can you can always push it further i'm gonna take this for myself too (laughs) (laughs) i mean seriously you can thank you jen for coming to the podcast we're very very happy to have you here today and for all of you guys listening to the podcast i'll see you guys in the next episode So everyone, this was our episode and I'm really glad that you guys are here and enjoying it. So be ready to enjoy this new season. I am bringing more stuff besides the interviews for you guys related to journalism. So I hope you all enjoy that. And meanwhile, while I have you here, I have some news too. I decided to start our Facebook page and it's Journalist Talk. So if you find it there, just click it and follow in like and interact with me with the posts and all and I also have a website it's podpage.com slash journalist dash talk and my Instagram is at Beba News 
So all of that I'm going to put in the show notes, but here it goes. It's a reminder for all of you. And I am excited for this new journey of season three in 2023. And for all of you, my listeners, I'll see you guys in the next episode.